0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. All week long, I couldn't help but thinking more and more about the gospel lesson for Christmas Day, which so many of us don't hear because we're doing other things on Christmas Day. And that's from the Gospel of John, and it starts out, you know how John starts out? In the beginning, God created, the Word was with God, the Word was God. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, full of grace and truth. John doesn't picture things the way the other Gospels do, but talks about the Word of God. So it brings to mind a joke that I remember as a kid. Um... A little boy is told by his mother, Go wash your hands. So, of course, what does he respond, right? They're not dirty. And what does mother say? There are germs on those hands that you can't see, so go wash them anyway. And so, as he goes to the bathroom, Not happy. He's muttering along the way, germs and God, germs and God. That's all I ever hear around here, and I can't see either one of them. (laughs) In John's Gospel, when John tells the story of the birth of Jesus, there are no angels no shepherds, no manger, no baby, no star. There are no wise men, no magi. Instead, we hear John's testimony about the word of God, who is Jesus, becoming flesh, taking on human form. And we hear things like the light of heaven shining in the midst of the in the midst of the darkness of the world. We hear language like that. In John's gospel, we encounter grand themes of light and darkness, of giving and receiving, of grace and truth. Yet John doesn't invite us to look upon what he describes. Instead, he invites us To hear the witness to his testimony. To hear something. To believe something. To receive something. And then to be born new by the Holy Spirit into the grace of God. So it's different. We don't have a baby and a mother and a guardian. We have truth. We have the Word made flesh. Herodotus in his work Histories says that human beings trust their ears less than their eyes. That we want to see things. So we want to see grace and truth. Not just hear about grace and truth. Yet John gives us no portrait of God that has any form upon which we may gaze. Rather, John introduces us to this word, a spoken testimony that has chosen to pitch a tent among us that we might learn of God by its revelation of speech received in our hearing and receiving and believing of it. Have you ever really noticed that the Gospels, not one of them, ever fully describes Jesus? I mean, we don't know how tall he was, how much he weighed. We don't know the color of his eyes or hair. We don't know if he had a beard or not. We don't even know the color of his skin, really. It always has surprised me that this man who drew such crowds of people, thousands of people would come to hear him preach and teach. Thousands of people knew him by the things that he said and what he did, but nobody made a sketch of him. Nobody painted a portrait of him. Not even the gospel writers give us an image of what he looked like. We have none of these, yet we have this collection of his teachings, stories about what he did, and descriptions about the effect that he had on other people, both those who received him and those who rejected him. But I think it's interesting. There's no image that we can pull out of history or scripture and say this is what Jesus looked like. And maybe that's good because isn't one of the things that we're called to do as children of God is to see the face of Jesus in everyone else and live a life of Jesus so that they can see Jesus in us. If we only had a picture of Jesus, it might be harder to imagine someone else being Jesus. Because then we would start to eliminate, right? Well certainly women can't be the image of Jesus, or children, or people with a different color skin, or a different kind of hair. I think that's one of the reasons we don't have that. Another reason is this word of God taking on human flesh and becoming one of us. We need to understand that to mean that Jesus enters into every circumstance that any and every human being in this world will find themselves If we start eliminating situations and say, Oh, well, Jesus can't possibly be with that person in that circumstance, then we get in trouble because we won't see Jesus in anyone. The other reason is we have to begin to see Jesus coming into our lives and our world. And so often people say, well, I'm not deserving of Jesus being in my life. And that's not true. The Word became flesh, dwelt among us full of grace and truth, so that as we accept and receive Jesus into our lives, we may know that God is one with us. The Gospels sketch Jesus for us only in portraits without form, portraits of life lived in a service to God through service to others. It's interesting, for all the things that we do in this special place, we've never heard of Jesus going to the temple and making an offering. We've never heard of Jesus standing at the altar and presiding at worship although we know he preached in the temple. We've never seen Jesus do anything other than serving others in acts of compassion, joined with his words of teaching. In truth, we never see Jesus at all. Instead, we hear of him through the testimonies of others who in words and images paint portraits without form. There's an old Yiddish proverb that says silence is also speech. What gospel writers don't say might be as powerful as what they do say. They don't describe Jesus in physical terms. They have declared him in metaphors of action and images of movement. And so I wonder sometimes if their silence can teach us as well. Martin Luther said this, What is it to serve God and to do God's will? And he answers this way, It is nothing else than to show mercy to our neighbor, for it is in our neighbor who needs our service, because God in heaven needs it not. Here is what the silence may teach us if we're willing to listen that metaphors of action and images of movement are portraits without form because they are portraits of verbs and not nouns. They're portraits of service. They're portraits of showing mercy. And it is to that that we are called. How does one even begin to describe the light of life or grace? or truth how does one even begin to describe in words love or mercy really how can we even describe the word of god in flesh there are still no pictures that adequately represent any of these because each one of those things must be acted out and lived out be seen by people in order to be comprehended and understood. So they're not so much seen as heard. They're not so much witnessed as felt. It's kind of like when you're hot and tired. That cool breeze can really be refreshing. And maybe you don't notice it until you're hot and tired. Or the smell of water when you're in the middle of a desert and you can smell the oasis a mile away and you know that there is refreshment waiting for you. Those are the portraits of the living God whom no one has ever seen. Even so, the life of Jesus Christ has made God known to us so that we know that God is dwelling with us in grace and truth. So maybe a big part of this message is that we need to just stop every now and then and appreciate the little ways that we know that God is a part of our life or that we learn to listen a little more. Reminds me of an episode I used to watch the show Dharma and Greg. Do you remember that one? And so there was a scene in one of the episodes, and it's a scene you see in a lot of different movies. Dharma is in the hospital. She's upset because someone that she loves is sick, and she doesn't really know how to pray. She's more of a spiritual person, so she just starts talking and talking and talking And so someone comes into the chapel in the hospital and listens to her just rambling on and on and on and says, "Um, what are you doing? And she said, I'm praying. So he says, to whom are you praying? And she says, well, to God. So he says, are you praying to God, the Creator, the Maker of all things? And she says, yes. And so finally he says, if you're praying to God the Creator, the Maker of all things, why are you doing all the talking? In some ways, maybe that's what Jesus came to do. The Word became flesh to dwell among us and to teach us maybe not always to talk, but sometimes just to receive what God has come to give us and show us and teach us. Maybe we're called more to listen and learn. Learn about God. Learn about our family in God. Learn about ourselves. Learn to follow God's direction. Learn To listen to what God might have in store for us as an individual, as a congregation, as a church, as a nation, as a world. More importantly, I think Jesus is also teaching us to listen to our neighbor, to people in our family. Not just to say, how are you? And when they say, fine, you go, okay but to say no really how are you and then when they tell you you say oh my goodness and then you're there with them in that moment to help them heal or process things or learn something new or to feel connected there's so much more I think we can do with the people who are part of our life and part of our world if we begin to listen to what they say to us We can learn about their needs and maybe respond. Maybe they teach us something about ourselves and something about our God because we're listening to them. On this second Sunday of Christmas, when we celebrate the epiphany of Jesus, let us remember that the gift of Jesus Christ to us might be the gift of mercy for us. And in receiving mercy, we're taught to show mercy and to share mercy. We share mercy and show mercy beyond learning. Let's act out mercy in everything that we do and everything that we say so that our lives can become more like the Word who became flesh to dwell among us, full of grace and truth. Amen.